up and sing a loud and clear sound the battle cry 487 487 Sound the battle cry, see the foe is nigh, raise the standard high, for the Lord, gird your armor on, stand form everyone, rest your cause upon his holy word, rouse then soldiers, rally round the banner, ready, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna, Christ is captain of the mighty throng. Strong, Start the beginning. Okay. Strong to meet the foe, marching on we go, while our cause we know must prevail. Shield and banner bright, gleaming in the light, battling for the right we ne'er can fail. Rouse then soldiers, rally on the manor, ready, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna, Christ is captain of the mighty throne. Thou, thou God of all, hear us when we call, help us one and all by thy grace. When the battle's done and the victory won, may we wear the crown before thy face. Rouse and soldiers, rally round the banner, ready, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna, Christ is captain of the mighty throne. Amen. Mr. Elliot, would you pray for us? Yes, thank you, Heavenly Father, to be here today, Lord. What a blessing it is to be in your mm. house. Ooh, Lord, we need your help today. We need your spirit within us. Lord, as you mm. attach us and preach the word of God to us. And uh, just, just make us a blessing. Amen. Please stay standing as we sing Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus, 455. 455. Stand Up for Jesus. Stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high your royal banner, it must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory, his army shall be Call all. 
to cry from danger and strength to hurt the post. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, stand in his strength Pastor, come up and do announcements. All right, just a few things to touch on. Um, first ladies' meeting will be March 13th, so that'll be at 6 p.m., so that's just a couple weeks away. Hard to believe February is uh, fast approaching the rearview mirror, which uh, in one sense that means time's going by, but in the other sense it also means that Warmer weather is coming, so we'll take the warmer weather, right? Looking forward to that, especially these last few really cold days we've had. Um, so ladies' meeting, March 13th. We have soul winning uh, on Saturday mornings, 9.30 a.m. And uh, we do have a sign-up sheet out back. Anybody who's interested in um, doing a special at church, trying to get some more folks involved who are willing and able and uh, start doing more with that. So... Um, there is a sign-up sheet if anybody's interested, would like to participate and be involved in our special music. And then also, continue praying about our building project. I put it on band last night, um, but this afternoon um, we're going to have lunch. And then right after lunch, um, the man who is designing our building for us, he's drawing it up on CAD, um, is going to be coming over. He'll eat with us, and then he's going to show us the drawings. He's made multiple copies, um, so he's got those. He's going to just kind of show them. If anyone has a question or, or a thought on it, you know, he'll, he'll hear and answer questions, explain why certain things if, uh, if there are questions about something. So anyways, um, you know, it's an opportunity for anybody that wants to and can to be here and just kind of see where things are at and look at it and take a peek. I'm really excited about what we've got right now. Um, it looks great. I'm really pleased with it. Um, and it just, you know, when you see the drawing, and he's, he's putting it on, you know, decent sized sheet of paper. I don't know what, what the dimensions are, but it's like three sheets of paper. So it's, it's official, like blueprint type stuff. Um, looking at it, you really can visualize a little bit better what we're going to have. And it's exciting. And uh, I talked, I showed the last rendering, it's changed a little bit for today, which I haven't seen this one yet, um, but I saw the last one and uh, printed uh, eight and a half by 11 sheet, took it with us to the volleyball game and got to sit down with the man that's doing the uh, slab for us. And he's gonna do the slab for less than half of what it would cost to do it normally. He's just doing it for cost. And um, he is also, um, giving us another 100 two by eights because the building's gonna be a little bigger than we originally planned. So he said, I got another 100 two by eights. When you got time, why don't you come get them and then you'll have enough to do the whole outside of the building. And then he said, uh, what are you doing for a, for a septic system? So I told him and it's not a 
system that he particularly prefers, but he said if we get it switched to the more traditional type, he's done a number of those. He said, just get the materials brought in and I'll put it in for you. Um, so septic system at cost too. So just, uh, God is just kind of, and then he says, uh, I said, what do we need to do for earthwork? He said, well, just have somebody till up the slab where the slab's gonna go. And he said, when I get there with my skid steer, we'll scoop all that up, put it in a pile, and there's your loam to cover this leach field. And I said, oh, great. And I was telling that to the man who's doing our design, and he says, I know somebody with a five-foot tiller goes right on the back of a tractor. And I said, really? Who's that? And he goes, me. <laughs> he says, so you can check that box, too. <laughs> so I said, praise the Lord. You know, it just, and uh, as you know, we have somebody who said they'll, they'll provide all the gravel we need um, for fill and, and everything. For, and he's in unity, Christian. So God just kind of keeps going, oh, you need this, here you go. <laughs> you need this, here you go. You need this, here you go. So it's just been pretty amazing to see God working and providing and just, you know, taking care of so many needs. Uh, it's a tremendous testimony to his faithfulness and that we can trust him and that he, you know, it's also a tremendous testimony to the fact that he's in this as he just keeps taking care of these pieces and saying, all right, I'm taking care of your needs, providing, and uh, you just keep moving forward by faith and I'll keep taking care of the rest. So it's uh, just amazing to see. So it's a blessing, but. All right, so I wanted to share that. I thought that was exciting stuff. Why don't we have our ushers come on down? And Caleb, can you pray for the offering, bud? Yes, sir. Thank you. God, thank you for this wonderful day, Lord. Please God bless the offering, Lord. Please bless the service, Lord. And please help us to have a wonderful day today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. him please turn your hymn books to number 388 did you think to pray 388 and has a question mark right on right in that same song so it's asking us did we think to pray 388 sing i believe it's a real convicting song i will all stand together if you can 388 did you think to pray <coughs> Christ our Savior, did you ask for loving favor as a shield today? <laughs> oh, how praying rests the weary, pray. 
times and night to day. So when life seems dark and dreary, don't forget to pray. When you met with fragrantation, did you think to pray? By his dying love and merit, did you claim the Holy Spirit as your guide and save? Oh, how praying rests the weary. dark and dreary, don't forget to pray. When your heart was filled with anger, did you think to pray? Did you plead for grace, my brother, that you might forgive and the weary prayer will change the night to day so when life seems dark and dreary don't forget to pray when sore trials came upon you did you think to pray when your soul was Praise the Lord. Thank you for singing. You may be seated. All right, we'll have Pastor come up and preach to us. All right, it is good to be here and to see everyone today. Be in the Lord's house. Yeah, and uh, kiddos can head next door, those that are going to go to church. Not very good at doing that, remembering to dismiss. It's a good thing that most of the time things run without me having to say anything. Nothing would ever get done because <laughs> I don't remember. All right, we are in Ephesians 4 this morning. We're going to continue um, in this passage of Scripture. And prayerfully, the Lord will use it and challenge us. If you recall, we're really dealing a lot with the church. Um, with Ephesians covers a lot of doctrine um, in regards to the church and how it should uh, function. We dealt a lot in the first part of the book with what we have in Christ, part of that being we're now a part of the body of Christ. And the, the church at Ephesus is a local body, 
um, the, this is a local body. Um, so there's a lot of things applicable. Uh, we know the church is made up of believers. Well, that's what we all are in this body. So uh, again, applicable. And we're seeing things that we are to do or change in our lives, which are not only going to benefit us as individuals, benefit our families, but also benefit the body, which is really the context of Ephesians, is how these changes will benefit the body. So that's what we're really seeing a lot of, <clears throat> and uh, prayerfully we'll get a lot out of this this morning and be helped by it. Um, let's go ahead and stand together. Ephesians chapter 4, we'll begin in verse number 25. We'll read down through the passage, and then I will pray, we'll be seated, and we'll get into the message. So beginning in verse 25, it says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. There it is. For we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let's go ahead and pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the precious promises that you've given us. We thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love. And Lord, we pray this morning that you would work in our hearts and in our midst. I pray that you'd speak to us and and challenge us, convict us, apply your word to our hearts this morning. And, and Lord, I pray that we would be challenged both to change and to grow. Um, Lord, we are looking for you to do a work today in our midst, and we pray that you do it. Uh, Lord, I just thank you. We love you. And we praise you for all you've done for us, and for all that you do for us, and for what you're going to do for us even today. Father, we ask these things, and we pray them in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. You may be seated. So in our passage last week, we looked at putting off the old man. So we dealt with, with that and um, that we are to put off what we used to be. We know the old man is uh, it's personified in our flesh, in what we were before we were saved and how we lived before we were saved, and what we did before we were saved. So it's putting that off. It's uh, getting rid of it. And uh, we know we talked about Romans 6 tells us that we are crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, uh, no, that's not the right passage. But it talks about us crucifying our flesh and living the resurrected life, which is the second part of what we talked about last week, which is putting on the new man. So we, we talked some about that. And how now we have the new man living in us, dwelling in us, that inner man that we have because we've been quickened with Christ, as it said over uh, in chapter 2, and uh, we talked some in chapter 3, and that we're no longer spiritually dead, but we've been made spiritually alive through what we have in Jesus Christ. And because we were dead and now we're alive, we're to live our life as this new living person and not as the old man, the dead person, which we were to put down, put away, put off rather, and then put on the new man and live as the new man. Well, this morning, the text uses another putting. It says to put away. It was in our first verse, verse 25, wherefore putting away. So we 
put off, we put on, and today we're going to put some things away. And we're going to put away the things that really were old man behaviors, that, were, that are old man nature, that are things that we would do as the old man, but that we shouldn't do as the new man. So we're going to put those things away this week, and probably next week we'll see some more uh, putting away as well. After that, I think we'll change up a little bit, but at least down through the end of this chapter. Uh, but we won't make it all the way to the end of the chapter today. We're just uh, we're going to take our time. So verse number 25, if we look at this verse, it says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. So it seems kind of obvious, doesn't it? Um, well, if we look at this word wherefore, we'll start there. It draws attention to what we looked at last week. So if we read in verse 17 down through where we are now, <clears throat> it says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. Well, how did other Gentiles walk? Well, they walk like the old man because it's referring to those Gentiles who are not saved. Well, how, what does that look like? Well, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. Remember, we looked at Romans 1, uh, comparing that with this passage. Because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus." that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So we read that, we covered that last week, over the last couple weeks really, and now we are seeing wherefore, because of all that stuff, we're to do something. Because we've put off the old man, and we've put on the new man, now we need to put away some things. And it would seem kind of obvious, it might seem kind of silly, that we have to see in our Bibles and talk about or preach on in our church that we should put away lying. It seems kind of, well, duh, now that we're Christians, obviously we shouldn't lie, but it's in the Bible, it's there for a reason, uh, because even as Christians, whether intentional or not, we can find ourselves or catch ourselves being dishonest. Why would we do that as Christians? Well, I'll tell you one of the reasons is we're trying to protect someone's feelings. We want to protect someone else's feelings. We don't want them to get hurt. So we might be dishonest or, or tell them a white lie, right? We call it like a white lie. What's a white lie? Well, you don't find it in the Bible, there's just lies. <laughs> but, but we call them white lies, I think, because we justify and want to make ourselves feel better about uh, telling this little lie, which is really only being told to protect somebody else. We also do it to protect ourselves, so that somebody thinks better of us, or so that they don't get offended at us, or they're not upset with us. Um, and then we also will lie to ourselves and try to convince ourselves something about something of, in regards to us that is not true, or even in regards to someone else that is not true. So we can lie to ourselves as well. Now those are, I think, probably the most common lies that Christians tell, <laughs> you know, to protect someone else, to protect ourselves, 
or we lie to ourselves about ourselves or about someone else to make us feel better about ourselves or make us feel better about someone else. So we do those things, whether intentional or not, whether we're thinking through it and saying, I'm going to lie about this. Probably not. It's just kind of a feelings-based, feels the, like the right thing to do, so I'm going to be dishonest and not hurt somebody. So if we're honest with ourselves, instead of being dishonest with ourselves, we probably can think of or would have to admit at least that there are times we're dishonest in one of those ways where we are not truthful. Uh, one of my favorite ways that... <laughs> Uh, Caleb, I think it was Caleb, Erica was asking the kids. She was teaching them one day. It was just her and the three kids. They're driving down the road, and she's teaching them about lying and honesty. And she's asking them about lying, and she says, well, <clears throat> let me ask you guys this. If somebody said they had a really weird nose, you know, if somebody had like a, it, just did, it was all messed up and weird, and they said, hey, what do you think of my nose? What are you going to say to them? And the kids are all like, ah, you know, one of these. And Caleb goes, it really matches your face. <laughs> so, I'm not sure if that's a compliment or, or, a, or, a, or a jab. I don't know. But it's, uh, you know, I once heard a pastor uh, tell this illustration. It was a true story. This older lady in the church baked him a pie. And I don't know if she just had it too long or she had the, the supplies too long, the ingredients. And she gave it to him. She said, Pastor, I baked you this cake. I just want to be a blessing to you. And he says, oh, thank you. Brings it home to his family, and they pull open the top, and there's like bugs crawling around on it. And they're like, ah, yeah, throwing this away. Well, the next week, he comes to church, and she comes up, and she goes, Pastor, how was the pie that I made you? Did you guys enjoy it? And he goes, well, a pie like that never lasts long in our house. <laughs> It did. It went right in the trash. You know, so it was a good, quick response. I mean, he wasn't technically lying, and, you know, realistically, that's probably okay. But just kind of get us thinking about ways we can kind of bend the truth or kind of change it up a little bit. And, uh, you know, those are, those are fun and good examples. But there are times when we could do something where it's just not honest. So um, we put away lying. Obviously, straightforward, seems kind of simple. In if, uh, James 1.22, um, it says, I thought I had this. Oh, I do have it right here. James 1.22. If you want to turn over there, this is at least Elijah's, I think, a couple of my kids' favorite verses, maybe all three of them. Just Elijah? Okay. Elijah's favorite. We all like it, right? It says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So how do we deceive ourselves? Well, one way is to only be a hearer of the word and not a doer. Well, how does that deceive us? Well, we're deceiving ourselves by convincing ourselves we're okay. Because we're hearing the word, thinking, yeah, that's good. I love hearing it. It's great to hear it. But then if we are, aren't actually applying and living the word, we're just deceiving ourselves to think we're something we're not. And sadly, I think there's a lot of Christianity in the 21st century that is hearers and not doers. And uh, so how can that happen? Well, by being a hearer and not a doer. 
convincing ourselves we're all set when we're not, convincing ourselves we're all good. Sometimes what happens is we hear something that we know we're doing well on, so we hang on to that and we ignore the parts that tell us we need to do something that we're not doing. It's like, I'm all good, I'm doing this. What about these three things we're not doing? I'm all good, I'm doing this. <laughs> you know, we just kind of, we won't talk about those. I'm going to focus on where I'm good because I feel good about myself. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 9. If we look at that, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So just a couple books over. Colossians 3 and verse number 9. Tells us, lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. Verse 10, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So, put off, we shouldn't lie. Why? Because we've put off the old man and we've put on the new man. And the result of that should be truthfulness, being honest with one another. So, next we see that what is the opposite of lying? Well, the next thing we're told to do, speak the truth. Putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. Well, who's his neighbor? Well, if we consider the context of our passage, Ephesians has been predominantly about what? The church, right? The body of Christ. So with the body of Christ, we want to tell the truth to one another. We don't want to lie to one another. We want to be honest and forthright and tell the truth. That can be a challenge. You consider verse 15 of Ephesians 4. It says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So we're to speak the truth in love to one another. What's that mean? I think that means that sometimes we've got to tell each other things that hurt a little bit. You know, does that mean it's all the time or constant? No. But there may be an occasion where someone recognizes something in someone else's life, or maybe they even ask. I remember a few years ago, four or five years ago, there was a man coming to our church, and he came up to me and he said, Pastor, I've got this situation I've got to make a decision on. What should I do? And I thought, I knew immediately what I would do and what I believed was right. But I, I told him, I said, well... And it's nobody who's here right now, just so you know. And I said, well, you know, brother, I said, I, I think you should pray on it and make that decision for yourself. I said, I don't ever want to tell people how they need to live their lives or make decisions for them. And he said, well, I'd really like to know what you think I should do. So I tried to skirt it again. I said, well, you know, I really would like you to pray. And he goes, pastor, he goes, if this was your family, and you had to make decision for your family, what would you do? And I'm like, all right. So I told him, and he said, thank you. And now I can pray on it, and I, he said, I have that, your counsel or your wisdom. And he said, I don't want you ever to feel like you can't tell me what you think is right. And he said, I will always take your counsel uh, seriously and, and at least consider it. He's like, I'm not saying I'm always going to do everything you say. He says, but don't ever feel like you have to worry about giving me your counsel or if I ask you for something. He said, I, I want that. I'm asking you because I want to know your thoughts and your heart on it. So I try to be more forthcoming, even though my goal is to help people to grow 
to be spiritual and godly to be able to make the right decisions for themselves and for their families. But I also have to understand sometimes people will want my thoughts or my opinions on things. And I can give that while also encouraging that each person prays and seeks God in regards to their own decisions. Now, there are things that are Bible decisions that when confronted with, there's no, well, this is right for me and my family, and this is right for you and your family. There's just what's right biblically. And we should do what the Bible says, hands down, no questions asked. Uh, and those ones are easy to answer, but the others are a little bit, can be a little tougher. All right, so speak truth to every man, specifically in regards to the church. Now, does that mean we, don't, we lie to other people? No. <laughs> but this is dealing with the context of the church, that we speak the truth to one another, which takes us to the next thing. Uh, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. That's how we know that we're talking to the church. We speak truth to one another because we are one body. It'd be like one hand telling the other hand a lie. You go right and I'll go left and or you go high and I go low and you, it's not working. So we need to be honest with each other and up, uh, forthcoming and upfront with one another. Romans 12.5, if you... Uh, oh, I went ahead too far, didn't I? We're going to go... There we go. We're members one of another. There we go. So we're part of the same body. Romans 12.5. I think I got ahead of myself. Romans 12... Five. Tells us something very similar. <clears throat> and we've looked at it before, but we'll see it again. It says, So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. So we all are one body. Look at verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. No, we all have different gifts that God has given us for the purpose of the body being built up and strengthened and edified so that each of us can live our Christian life the way God wants us to and intends for us to, and we help each other to do that by fulfilling the gift, uh, by fulfilling the role God has for us as members of the body and using the gifts that he's given each of us. And we don't all have the same gifts, which is important because we all need each other's gifts. We all need each part. All right. We... Uh, I know we've dealt with it a lot over the last few weeks, but we need to function in unity. We need to be going the same direction, and that happens best when we are all in line with one another, all in agreement, and all telling each other the truth. Verse 26, be ye angry and sin not. If we stay within the context of our passage, we're still talking to the church. Well, why would somebody be angry? Well, and then sin. Why would somebody be angry and sin? Well, if you tell someone the truth, you ever hear the saying, the truth hurts? <laughs> Sometimes we tell someone the truth and it hurts. And what is the natural response when we get hurt? To hurt, right? When, when we get hurt, you know the old saying, hurt people hurt people? 
Um, when somebody tells us something that cuts or that stings, our reaction can be, well, I'm going to hurt them back. We'd be angry and hurt them back. And when we do that, the Bible says we're sinning. So not only should we speak the truth in love, but we should be willing to receive the truth in love. And then when we walk away from the conversation, you know what we do with that information? We consider it and we pray on it. But if we end up in a place where we believe that they're wrong and, they're, and, I'm, and I'm where God wants me to be, great. Keep loving them. We don't have to become mortal enemies because they said something that, that confronted us or convicted us and we were upset about. But we may walk away from that, pray on it, and contemplate on it, and go, you know what, they're right. I need to work on this in my life. And we may be all the better for it. So it's finding that balance, but being willing to at least receive it and consider it without responding in anger and without then sinning. So it doesn't say that there's never a time where anger is okay. It doesn't say there's never a time where anger is not sin. But it says when it comes to our brethren, our church body, our church family, if somebody speaks the truth to us in love, we should not respond in anger and end up sinning as a result of it. So Colossians chapter 3, verse 8 says, But now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Notice the first on the list is anger. And if anger goes unchecked, if anger goes... Uh, is, uh, you know, allowed to be or to exist in our lives, the result is wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of our mouth. You know what else it results in? Bitterness. And over in Hebrews, it refers to bitterness as a root. I know we've used this picture before. Why is bitterness a root? Because we might find the bitterness in our life. We might rip it out. But you know what happens with weeds in the garden when you rip them out? If you don't get all the roots, they grow back. Exactly. That's what bitterness is like. We rip it out and we think we got it all, but it's a matter of time before it pops back out again. And then we got to root it out again, and then it pops back out, and it's this constant struggle. It's a constant battle, and that is, that is tough to deal with. Bitterness is really hard. Um, and uh, it will it'll control us if we let it. It'll rule our lives and keep us in a state of just being miserable, angry, bitter people. You know what a curmudgeon is? <laughs> Brother Elliot, how, how would you define a curmudgeon? Curmudgeon? Kind of like, kind of a crusty spirit. Yeah. Uh, cynical. Yeah, cynical, critical, yeah. grouchy, yeah. nothing's ever good, everything's always bad, yeah. negative, right. So it's kind of a joke, a church curmudgeon, or curmudgeon, however you want to say it. Uh, but there was a online, I don't remember, was it, was it probably Facebook or Twitter or something like that? There used to be a guy, probably still out there, he calls himself church curmudgeon. And he's always posting these, like, it's a joke, but he's always posting these, like, negative, like, critical, grouchy things. And he's got a picture, his, his picture is an old man with his face, like, all looking all mad and grouchy. Thankfully, I don't think we have any church curmudgeons here, but, uh, you know, it's not that uncommon. I, I, there's a church I know that has one, <laughs> and, and it's always, uh, every time I see him, I love him, 
don't get me wrong, but every time I see him, I'm like, oh, what's he going to complain about today? <laughs> you know, what am I going to hear about today? And, and it's, understand, we all have things in our lives, and that's fine. I don't mind people talking to me about that stuff, but when it's always negative about the church and about the pastor and about the people and all these people are hurting me and you know that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about but understand when people share their hearts with me and those things I'm not talking about that that is that is to be shared that's what I'm here for is to bear those burdens with you and to pray for you and to care for you so I just realized I don't want that to come across wrong, okay? Uh, so just want to make sure I cover all my bases. Ephesians 4.31 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Kill it. Loathe it. Hate those things because they cause us to sin. They cause us to be miserable. They put us in a bad state of mind. So we need to put those things away with enmity towards them. Understand, they are our enemies. And they are going to hurt us spiritually. They're going to drag us down. And they're going to put us in a state of mind that we should not be in as Christians. We have so much to be thankful for. We have so much to be grateful for. We have so much to look at that God has given us and blessed us with. If nothing else, we have our salvation, which we do not deserve which we have not earned, that has been given to us as a free gift, we should be looking at eternal judgment. But instead, we get eternal blessings, eternal rest, eternal peace, eternal joy. And while we might not experience them all here all the time, we can have the peace and the rest and the joy because Jesus Christ has saved us. He bore our sins on the cross. He bore our guilt on the cross. And when we are focused on all those things and how rough our life is and how difficult our circumstances are, we can look at our Savior in the face and say, thank you, Jesus, for what you have done for me. I do not deserve it. He has been so good to us. And if we can shift our thinking to look at those things we are grateful for, Instead of those things we're frustrated about, it can renew our minds, as we're talking about with putting on the new man. We are to renew our minds. One of the ways we can do that is by being thankful, by being grateful. Is it easy? No, because there's lots of things in life that we get frustrated with, that we get hurt by, that we're disappointed about. But we have plenty of things to replace those thoughts with to be thankful for. And if we focus on the things we're thankful for, it can help change our spirit and our attitude to handle the things that we're frustrated with better. <laughs> if that makes sense. If I'm thankful for these things, when my spouse comes to me and says something I'm frustrated about, maybe I don't respond with, ah! I respond with, I understand where you're coming from. I see your point. I love you, but we, we're gonna have to disagree on this. You know, we just, we're not in the same place. And prayerfully, God will help us to come to a place where we can agree and where we get to the same place. Uh, you know, maybe we can come to it with a spirit of love and compassion instead of, uh, I want to grab you by the throat right now. You know, that just kind of like, you know, frustration. Uh, so when we're focused on being thankful and all the blessings we have, it can help us handle all those things better. All right. 
Moving on here. Let's see. What do we got? Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. You know, when we, it says, be ye angry and sin not, and then let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Why would we go from don't do this to let, because God knows we are but flesh. And that while he's telling us, don't be angry, <laughs> be ye angry and sin not, he knows that we are human beings, and we're not always going to nail that. So when we do find ourselves angry, we should not pillow our head at night and call it a day sleeping on our anger, sleeping in anger. We should resolve it. Whether that means we need to go to somebody asking for forgiveness, or we need to talk with somebody and hope they'll ask us for forgiveness, or we need to forgive somebody, or we need to go to the Lord and pray that he'll help us to get over our anger. Because those things we just read in verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. When we go to bed angry, you know how we're going to wake up? Angry, <laughs> maybe bitter <laughs> with, with all those other things. Wrath, anger, clamor, and then the evil speaking is going to come out and we're going to be, you know, it does not help us. And if we want to start our day with the Lord, if we go to bed angry and we wake up angry, that sure makes it hard for us to start our day in a spiritual mindset, walking with God. No, anger is conducive to us walking in the flesh. So we want to get that dealt with as soon as possible. We want to get over it, move on, focus on the things we have to be thankful for, focus on the Lord, and keep on living for Him. Psalm 37 verse 8 says, Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Why would it make that last statement? Well, because when we're angry and wrathful, chances are we're going to do something evil. <laughs> you know, We're going to do something we regret. We're going to do something that afterwards we're going to go, man, I wish I wouldn't have said that. Boy, I wish I wouldn't have done that. And then we got to feel bad and we got to go and maybe ask a person for forgiveness or at least ask the Lord for forgiveness because we know we responded in a way we shouldn't have. All right, so don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Verse 27, neither give place to the devil. The devil is constantly looking to gain a foothold in our lives. He is constantly looking for an open door, an open window, a crack, a peephole, a, a you know, a hidden tunnel into our lives. He's constantly looking for a way in to tempt us, to mislead us, to cause us to deceive ourselves like we talked about earlier. He's constantly looking for a foothold in. So when we allow bitterness to, or anger to remain in our lives, we are giving the devil an opening into us, into our lives. We are allowing him to work in us in a way that we end up bitter, that we end up wrathful, that we end up uh, continuing in our anger, that we end up saying things we shouldn't and that we regret. Why? Because we allowed ourselves to remain in an angry state of mind. And the result is we not only hurt other people, we hurt ourselves. And maybe we don't just hurt the person that we're angry with and ourselves, but we hurt innocent bystanders as well when they see our anger <laughs> and our wrath play out. And then, you know, 
other people that witness it are hurt also. So we need to be careful about that and not give Satan a foothold. He'd love nothing more than to weasel his way into a person's life and end up having it cause damage in a marriage, in a family, or in a church body. He wants to. He wants to destroy. He is seeking to destroy. If you look at uh, 1 Peter 5, if we jump over here. First Peter 5, and we look beginning in verse 8. This is a well-known. Verse 8 says, Be sober. It means to be in a right and a clear state of mind. Be vigilant. Be aware and actively on the lookout. Prepared. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for the weak one. He's looking for the person. He's looking for the sickly, the wounded, the young. And what is he doing? What's he looking for? Someone who's given him place, neither give place to the devil. Someone who's essentially giving him an, an opening into their lives. Verse 9 whom resist steadfast in the faith. We need to resist Satan steadfastly in the faith. Faith is going to help us to overcome and to resist him, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. The same, the same thing Satan is trying to do to you, he's also trying to do to your brethren. So have compassion on them. He's also working it in the world right now, and we're seeing it play out all in the world. But know that when he, what he's doing out there, he's trying to do in here too. So we need to be careful not to give him an opening, not to give him a place in our lives, not to give him a place in our homes, not to give him a place in our relationships, not to give him a place in our church. We need to be sober and vigilant, not giving him any room in those places. We need to resist him steadfastly, consistently, firmly, faithfully be resisting the devil. James says resist him and he'll flee from you. We need to resist him. Over in, uh, I don't even know where we are in my notes right now. Yep, Ephesians 6. That's where I thought we were. Ephesians 6, and we look at verse 11. Well, we're not to Ephesians 6 yet in our study through the book of Ephesians, but we will be eventually, sometime probably 2028 20, or something like that. No, I'm just kidding. Verse 11 says, Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He is a trickster. He's a deceiver. He likes to set traps for us. So we need our armor, the armor of God, to be able to stand against his wiles. Verse number 16. It says, above all, taking the shield of faith. Remember, resist steadfast in the faith. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Satan's firing darts at us all the time. I had somebody once say, and I, and I don't think that they're wrong. I had somebody say they think that the fiery darts are the thoughts that go through our minds, the wrong thoughts that go through our minds, that we need to say, nope, that ain't right. Nope, that ain't right. 
Nope, that ain't right. And he's firing those darts at us. And we need to, by faith, be ready for them and be able to just throw them aside. All right. Lastly, verse number 28. It says, let him that stole steal no more. Well, that's another one of those things that we would probably look at and go, well, duh, <laughs> you know, we know we shouldn't be stealing from people. Well, I think when in the context, yet again, of the church, I think we can also look at it as we have been, uh, we have to be careful about stealing in the sense that we take from people when we don't really have needs, or even we present needs so that people will take care of us when we could pick up a few extra hours at work or we could do something like that and God could take care of us that way. Does that mean we don't allow people to be a blessing to us if God puts it on their heart to be a blessing? No. If God puts it on their heart to be a blessing, praise the Lord. But we should be careful about thinking that anybody should give or take care of us or any of those things. Um, that's a, hard, that's a hard state of mind. We live in a culture, we live in a society where it is commonplace for people to live off of others, <laughs> to live off of others' hard work. You know, There's people out there working hard, working overtime, getting educations, building careers, and putting themselves into all those things, building businesses, and then there are those who play video games all day and sit at home and collect a check under the guise of disability or something to that effect, you know. Now, if you're disabled, praise the Lord, there is something to help. If you do have the need and it's legitimate, I have no problem with that. It's people who don't really need it that are collecting it. And the rest of us pay more taxes as a result of it. You know, those are the things that are, that are frustrating. And, you know, it exists in the world. Understand it exists in churches, too. Churches have a tendency, and they should be, to be generous. And uh, I can tell you, uh, on the church phone, there are more calls from people looking for handouts than there are people looking for a church, <laughs> you know, then there are people looking for support to go on the mission field. Probably the most frequent calls we get or messages through the website that we get is, you know, stuff like that. Um, so that can be tough. And honestly, I've taken those calls and caught more than one in scams. They weren't even real people, but they know churches tend to be generous. So they call and try to scam churches into giving them money when it's all just a scam. So it's sad. You know, of all people to scam, you'd think that people would leave churches alone, but they see them as an easy target. Uh, Romans 13 and verse number 9 says, For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So, don't take from others, but see them as you should love them the same way you love yourself. You wouldn't want somebody to steal from you. Don't steal from someone else. Now, does that mean that people can't help? No. Does that mean that the church doesn't help? No. We absolutely want to help. Especially people who are part of our church when the needs are there. 
But even those who are outside, if the need is there and it's legitimate, it's just having the wisdom to discern and to know that we can't help everybody. After all, it's God's money. It's not my money or your money that we just... It's God's money, and we want to be wise stewards of it. So I see our money as that, too. It's God's money, and we want to be good stewards of it and do what's wise with it. So um, anyways, moving on here. So, but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good. So we kind of already talked a little bit about that, but if we have the ability to work and provide for our family, we should intend and, and be doing so. We live in a day, I know I already said, it's easy, and frankly, it's a temptation for people to be lazy and to not work, to take care of their own needs. It's a temptation because it's so easy, and so many do it, um, but we should be wise and be good stewards of ourselves and our families. First Thessalonians 4, if we jump over here, 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 11 through 12. It says, In that ye study to be quiet, and to do your own business, and to work with your own hands, as we commanded you, that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that ye may have lack of nothing. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. I guess the church of Thessalonica had an issue with people not working and just looking to take advantage and get into trouble. 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 11 and 12, for this, And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. I'm in the wrong chapter. Just jump over to chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, Working not at all, but are busybodies. That means they're in everyone else's business, <laughs> you know, trying to find ways to take advantage of other people. But they're not working. All their time is spent in other people's stuff. Verse 12, Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. So, again, does that mean it's wrong when we need it to accept a handout? No. Does that mean it's wrong to help those who have needs? No. It means when we have the ability to do something, we should do it and not expect other people to do it for us. And lastly, the last part of verse 28 says, Why should we work with our hands and do the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth? Rather than always thinking we need and people should do for us, if we work, God just may take care of us so that we have the means to be a blessing to someone else. You know what Christ said, Acts 20, 35 quotes it. It says, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to walk, I uh, nope, you ought to support the weak, and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. You know, so many people, they just want to be given to. Christ said it's more, how do you say it? More blessed, there we go, more blessed to give than to receive. And that should be our mindset, that we want to be a blessing to others and not always looking for others to be a blessing to us. In my experience, every time I set out to be a blessing to someone else and succeed, I am far more blessed 
than when somebody just tries to be a blessing to me. I often feel bad when somebody does something for me. I'm like, man, I wish you wouldn't have done that. You know, I, I don't want to be a burden. Or, but when I get to be a blessing to someone else, I'm always blessed by it. I'm always encouraged by it. It always, I mean, it's just wonderful to be able to be a blessing to someone else. I never feel bad about that. <laughs> I do feel bad sometimes when somebody's like, here, can I give you this or can I do this for you? And I want to say no, but then I usually get, don't rob me of a blessing. God put it on my heart. Don't rob me of, all right, no, I know. But when we get to be the ones that are a blessing, I've never felt bad about that. Not one time, ever. And I don't believe you will either. It's always a blessing to be a blessing. All right, wrapping up. There's a lot of instruction here. If we take it to heart, it will bless and help the church body. You know, that's what we're getting out of Ephesians. How we can help the church body. When we do not lie, but speak the truth to one another. When we're not angry with one another and sin against each other. When we don't end our day with anger and issues between us and those in our lives. When we do not give place to the devil. When we do not steal, but we work to provide for our own and have means to be a blessing to others. How far do these things go towards growing a church that has charity and love for one another? Well, Ephesians 4, 1 to 3 talked about that. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Uh, I think it's in Colossians where it says that Charity is the bond of peace. Um, so we want to have unity. We want to have this bond. Well, these, this is giving us tools to do that. God wants us to be a church that loves each other, that's unified, and that will help one another grow. How are we doing with that? I think we do pretty well. I believe that we're in a, in a pretty good place. Is there room for improvement, honestly? I can't point at anybody or anything and say, yeah, you need to do this, you need to do that, because I don't, I don't see it. But probably if we know we need to do better, God will reveal that to us, and he will help us to see. So maybe there's a place, maybe there's a part that God wants you to play in the church body, a, a place to plug in that God wants us to be, wants you to be, wants me to be doing. And if we're honest and open to God revealing that to us, he will. Uh, all right, that's what I got for today. I know there was quite a few things there, but prayerfully, it will be a help to us. Let's go ahead and pray. I'll have a moment of invitation, and we'll dismiss. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this passage of Scripture. And I know we saw some things that in reality, uh, probably all of us have at least one thing, maybe more than one thing, that we can relate to in our own lives or in someone we care about's life where they've they struggle with something, and, and Lord, in reality, we should focus most on ourselves. We can help other people too. Uh, but Lord, I need to look at my life and say, what can I work on out of this message today? What is it that I need to change, that I need to improve on? And Lord, probably all of us could, could come up with something. And I pray, Father, that you'd point that out to us in our lives. I pray you'd make it clear. I pray you'd give us wisdom as to how to proceed. I pray you'd help us to put off the old man, to put on the new, and to put away the things that you're telling us here we need to put away. 
Father, it's difficult sometimes because we are still humans. We do still carry around the flesh, that old nature, that old man. But I pray you'd help us to crucify him. I pray you'd help us to live as the new man, the new person you've saved us to be, that you've made us to be. Before we close the prayer this morning, is there anyone that would slip up their hand and say, Pastor, I'm not certain that I'm saved. I can't say that I positively know where I will spend eternity. can't say that I know my sins have been forgiven, and that I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but I'd like to know. I'd like to get it settled. If you're here today and that's you, would you just slip up your hand? don't have to raise your hand, but if you're a Christian, I pray that God's spoken to our heart about something today that we can work on and improve on in our lives. And uh, I'll just, while the piano plays, we'll just give folks a couple minutes to pray before we dismiss. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word and for what we are able to learn from it. And Lord, how you convict us through it. And Father, I pray that we would apply these things to our lives. I pray we would grow. I pray we would mature. And I pray you'd strengthen and build us up in our faith. Lord, help us to be built up as a church body, as the body of Christ, Lord, in unity and in love for one another. Help us to edify one another and build each other up. And I pray the result would be a stronger, uh, more resilient, and more effective body for you. That we would accomplish all that you'd have for us to do here in unity and the surrounding towns. Lord, I pray you'd use us in a mighty way um, to make a difference here for you. Father, we love you, we praise you, and thank you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.